0: Our text this morning comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 6 and verses 67 and 68. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. This text that is our passage under consideration this morning, has its setting during some very busy days in the life of Jesus. Jesus has been healing people. And as He's healing people, there are multitudes of folks that are following Him. Jesus had healed the impotent man, and then he went over the Sea of Galilee. And John tells us a great multitude of people followed him because they'd seen his miracles. Jesus actually ended up feeding about 5,000 men, besides the women and the children. And then it seemed that Jesus sensed that they wanted to take him by force and make him a king, and He wanted no part of that. So Jesus went into the mountains. At evening, the disciples got into a ship and headed toward Capernaum. It was that night that Jesus came walking to them on the water. And all of us remember that from Sunday school when we were little children. It was also on that night that Peter decided he was going to walk on the water and ended up going swimming. They took Jesus into the boat. And John says immediately they were at their destination. The next morning the multitude went to find Jesus and they realized he was gone. And John tells us they got into ships and they came to Capernaum. And when they got there, Jesus told them that they did not come because they saw the miracles that He did. He said, you came because you've eaten the loaves that I provided and were filled. In a very frank manner this morning. In a very straightforward manner this morning. I want to ask a very personal question. What is your relationship to Jesus Christ? Every one of us of necessity must have a relationship with Him. We must either be His friends or His foes. We must either be for Him or against Him. Let's think about that for a moment. Better still, let's make it personal. Let's internalize it. What is my relationship to Jesus Christ today? There was a time... When Jesus was among men, that he was riding a wave of popularity, the multitudes were following him. And Jesus was teaching them what following him meant. And in the face of his pungent and searching teaching, the crowds began to dwindle. And that's where the words of our text come from. He turned to the twelve and he plaintively asked them, he said, will you also go away? The crowds have left. The multitudes have turned away. The people are gone. Are you going to also go away, he said? Simon Peter, he was always the one that spoke up first. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Lord, if we go away from you, where are we going to go? You're the one that has the words of eternal life. Jesus' question to Peter suggests two burning questions for us to consider. Why do people go away from Jesus? And secondly, when people go away from Jesus, where do they go? One fundamental reason that people go away from Jesus is a lack of faith. A lack of true, obedient faith. Or said another way, one reason people go away from Jesus is the absence of a vital godliness. John tells us of some in 1 John 2, verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Why do folks do it? Why do folks go away from Jesus Christ? On the occasion of our text, they went away from Jesus because they objected to his teachings. And over the years, a lot of people have left Jesus for that very same reason. If you read the passage, and if you take a close look at the context of our passage that we read a moment ago, the multitudes of people had heard the teachings of Jesus. And hearing it, they had cried out, This is a hard saying, and who can hear it? So they turned away. From the teachings of Jesus Christ. They objected to what he had to teach them. The gospel of Christ. To be sure. Is quite humbling to poor human nature. Pride revolts at the gospel of Christ. But the gospel is designed not to please men and women, the gospel is designed to save men and women. Jesus puts a clear, unmistakable demand in front of me and in front of you. Jesus said, if I'm going to be your Savior, I've got to come first. If I'm going to be your Savior, I've got to come before your father and your mother and your children, and your dearest loved ones. If I'm going to be your Savior, I've got to be more important than the golf course, and the tennis court, and the fishing hole, and the mall, and the family reunion. And this one's really going to hurt. I've got to be more important than football. I've got to be more important than your own property and even your own life. Let's face the facts and and let's be honest with ourselves. That's not easy. That is death to self. That is self-crucifixion. So, beloved, that is what Jesus requires. And some folks go away from Jesus because they just don't want to pay the price. And some folks go away from Jesus because they have doubts and questions concerning religion. They say, well, what if this is not so? What if the Bible is not true? What if there is no immortality of the soul? What if there is no heaven for Christ's friends and no hell for his enemies? Doubt comes in various ways. And doubt comes from various sources. There's that doubt that comes in the head. When Nathaniel, or as he sometimes referred to as Bartholomew, was told to about Jesus Christ there was Nathaniel who said can any good thing come out of Nazareth and he was told come and see and that's exactly what he did you can read about that in John chapter 1 but then there's the doubt of the heart disappointment comes into our lives Sorrow comes into our lives. Things don't turn out exactly the way we had them planned. And disappointment and sorrow come and beats us into the dust and blinds us. There was a time when John the Baptist had such doubts. He was in Doubting Castle, as Bunyan refers to it in Pilgrim's Progress. John the Baptist had spoken truth to power. He had looked Herod straight in the eye and said, It's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. He was thrown into prison. And there in the prison cell, John had too much time on his hands and he had time to think. And he sent some of his followers to Jesus. And they asked, Are you the one that should come or do we look for another? John had some doubts. And then other folks go away from Jesus because of the power of sensual enjoyments. There are two key passages of Scripture that set that forth. One's in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse 25. It talks about Moses. It said Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than listen to it. Enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4. And he tells him that in the latter days, men are going to be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Through the power of the sensual enjoyments of life, there's a lot of men and a lot of women that miss the upward way toward God. And missing the upward way toward God, they go the way of doom and death and destruction. But write this down. This old world has nothing in it that can satisfy the ache of the human heart. The toys... The baubles of this world and the temporary pleasures we can receive of this world from doing our own thing can't satisfy the human heart. The only thing that can satisfy the human heart is Jesus Christ. And then others go away from Christ, not because of sensual pleasures, not because of Unbelief, Not because of not wanting to pay the price. They just go away from Jesus because of procrastination. They just keep putting it off. You see, procrastination is the thief of time. We've heard that all of our lives. But it's more than that. It's also the thief of souls. All around us. And we've all known people. That intended somewhere, sometime, someday, to focus their lives on the things of God and say, yes, Lord, to the call of Jesus Christ. And someday never came. There are those who are going to win souls for the Lord someday. And there are those that are going to be more faithful to the Lord someday. And there are those that are going to stop gossiping and keeping the telephones hot, stirring up strife. Someday. And there are those that are going to put the Lord and the church first in their life. Someday. How many of us are planning great things we're going to do tomorrow? Not necessarily things for God, but just we've got great plans of things we're going to do. How many of us have had great plans of things we're going to do that we haven't done and we've been planning them for years? But more importantly, how many of us are always planning to do the great things for God tomorrow? Acts chapter 24 tells us about a governor by the name of Felix. Paul came and preached to Felix. He preached about righteousness when Felix was unrighteous. He preached about temperance when Felix was intemperate. He preached about judgment to come when Felix sat in judgment on others. And Dr. Luke tells us that when Paul finished preaching, the things of God had such an impact on Felix that Felix trembled. And he told Paul, he said, go thy way. Some more convenient season I'll call for you. He put it off. There was never a convenient season in the life of Felix. Luke chapter 12 tells us about a young farmer. His ground brought forth bountiful crops. And he said, I have no room to bestow all of my goods. What shall I do? I'll tear down my old barns. I'll build greater barns. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine easy drink and be merry. God said, You fool. Tonight your soul is going to be required of thee. Then, whose will all these things be that thou possessest? Those are the reasons people go away from Jesus. But when folks go away from Jesus, where do they go? Well, if they're Christians, and go away as many do and many have over the years, they just simply go into backslidings. The stories I could stand here and tell you of drifting Christians... All over the length and breadth of this nation. Of drifting Christians right here in our own community. All through the ages there have been those who one time named the name of Christ. They were numbered among his friends. And they've forsaken him. And they've forsaken His kind of life. And oh my, how they by their example have harmed the cause of Christ and damaged the church, the bride of Christ. And heaven will only know the souls they've caused to be lost by their ungodly example and how they've grieved the Lord and how they've grieved themselves. And they're like those that Peter spoke of in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. They're like a dog returning to his own vomit again. Or like a sow that was washed, once again wallowing in the mire. But here in this book, in unmistakable language, Jesus tells us that those who go away from Him are going to die in their sins. And in John 8 and verse 21, Jesus further says, If you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot come. Now, I'll be very honest with you. When I die, when the pale horse and his rider cross my threshold and I cross over the chilly Jordan, I want to go where Jesus is. Because I've read in this book about option two, and it's not very desirable. We give up so much. When we go away from Jesus. You remember that young man that came running to Jesus? He was a ruler. He was a rich man. He fell at the feet of Jesus. He said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, thou callest me good. There's none good but God. But if you'd enter into life, keep the commandments. Which, he said. Jesus enumerates them. He said, I've kept these from my youth up. Lord, what do I lack? Jesus said, if you want to be complete, go sell all that you have. Give the money to the poor and come and follow me. And the story ends, the young man went away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. Jesus doesn't tell us today that, oh, we've got to go sell everything. We've got to become paupers and give our money to the poor. What Jesus tells us is He's got to be more important to us than anything else in this world. Think about Judas, if you will. There were twelve men, Peter, Andrew, James, John, and so forth. Twelve men that Judas, or that Jesus chose To be his closest associates. For three years they traveled with him up and down the dusty roads of Palestine. They watched Jesus heal the sick and raise the dead and make the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear. Judas was one of those twelve. He was a man that once upon a time had great promise. Judas wasn't always a bad guy. And that's shown by the way the others felt about him. Let me ask you a question. Who has your checkbook? Who can sign checks on your account? Norma doesn't even let me have checks on her account. Judas had the checkbook. The other eleven and Jesus trusted him so much and thought so highly of him. He was the one that had the purse. They gave him the checkbook. He had great promise once upon a time. But what did he do? He went away from Jesus and ended up a suicide. When we go away from Jesus... Whether it's you or me or someone we know, when people go away from Jesus, we're left baffled and broken. Going away from Jesus, we're baffled and broken in the presence of sin. And if we go away from Jesus, and if we reject Jesus, and if we turn our back on Jesus, we have no Savior. He's the only Savior. And the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone will cover sin. Time does not cover sin. We can't let enough time pass between us and our transgression and say, okay, well, the law, statute of limitations is run. That, that sin no longer counts against me. Time won't cover sin. And distance won't cover sin. I can't move far enough away. I can't go somewhere else. And my sin be covered. And the goodness and righteousness of my parents can't cover my sin. The only thing that can cover my sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the most terrible fact of human life is sin. And without Jesus, we have no Savior from sin. And without Jesus, we're left beaten and broken. With all the sorrow of human life. Without Jesus, there's no delivering, consoling friend in time of sorrow. Without Jesus, there's nobody to lean on, no one to bring comfort in times of the sorrows of human life. No one to comfort us in our grief. More importantly than all that, Beloved, without Jesus, we have no hope in the presence of death. When we come to the end of the journey, we're going to need a Savior. When we stand before God in judgment, we're going to need someone to plead our case. When I visualize the judgment scene, it says in Revelation the books will be opened and every deed we've done is going to be read aloud. I don't know about you. I got some suspicions about some of you. But when they start reading that book of my life, there's going to be some things in there I'm not real proud of. And I'm going to just be trying if you if you picture a courtroom and God sitting up there as the judge and I'm sitting over there at the table with my defense and Prosecutors over here, and God's reading all the charges against me, and I'm just trying to slink further and further under the table. And he gets through reading it all. Jesus is going to stand up and put his hand on my shoulder, and he's going to say, Father, to everything you've just read, Tim pleads guilty. But he and I have an arrangement. long time ago, He surrendered His life to me. He put me on in baptism and Father, you need to take all those things you just read about Him and put those on my account because I've taken those as my very own. When we stand before God in judgment, we're going to need Jesus to plead our case. Now here's the great question this morning. Whose side are you on? Jesus said we're either for Him or against Him. Would you come to Jesus or go away from Jesus? Will you live His kind of life or not live His kind of life? The choice is yours as together we stand and while we sing.